to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Hormonal health is directly tied to our physical and mental well-being. Therefore, it is so important to talk to someone who can help you navigate your healthcare concerns. Once you take this test, you can have a better understanding if perhaps you have something hormonal going on, and then you can take that information back to your healthcare provider to have a more empowered conversation. Better yet, if you don't know who to work with, you can go over to poppyclinic.com and book a meet and greet appointment with Diana Castleman to learn how we can help you get answers. We serve the Oakville and Ontario community either in person or virtually. See you soon. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Talk podcast. I am your host, Dr. Michelle Paris. I'm a naturopathic doctor, the director over at the Poppy Clinic, and the creator of the incredible women's health initiative, The Wild Collective. This week is a very special conversation. I am so excited for you to listen to it because you are going to leave feeling inspired, invigorated, elevated, because my guest is a special human. We are welcoming back Dr. Patricia Mills. She has already been on the podcast. She was on episode 145, if you would like to go listen to her genius. Um, I have known her for a while, and since the moment I've met her, I've been very impressed by just who she is, her level of um, articulation and methodical nature and her medical mind and her desire to understand all sides, to consider all sides, to understand and respect the duality and the diversity and to have difficult conversations with grace. And we were going to have a conversation and we did have a conversation about the current state of the world, everything that's gone over the last two years, mandates and how that's impacted medical professionals. And we did talk about those things. And we also talked about how she has turned that into an opportunity. And for me, those are the stories I like to have. So even though there's been an incredible amount of challenge over the last two years, there's also been an incredible opportunity, a chance to level up, a chance to understand what resources we have available to us to find peace, grace, and harmony no matter what is presented. And I think those are the conversations that we need to be having right now as we shift back into some semblance of normal, but want to hold on to the wisdom of the challenging times. So we had a really wonderful conversation about the body chemistry of health in a stressful time. And if you've listened to Dr. Patricia Mills before or after this conversation, you're going to see why she's so wonderful. She takes these really complex subjects and she distills it down into these simplistic interventions, these simplistic tools that we can use to start to reclaim and step into our relaxed state, our aligned state, into our positive thinking state. She also does an incredible job of talking about the placebo effect. I think she she shared her life's work of being in research and was able to articulate the placebo effect in a really beautiful way. And I think when you listen to this conversation, not only you're going to be inspired to connect with Dr. Patricia Mills, but you're also going to get a lot of value out of it personally and realize that there is so much we can do in order to reclaim our own body chemistry in a way to feel in our authority, no matter what life throws our way. And if the last two years have taught us anything is that anything can happen and it can derail us and the choice to continue suffering 
is literally a choice. So how do we feel empowered? How do we claim that for ourselves so that irrespective of what happens to us going forward, we are able to manage our own internal state, and find the joy in anything. So without further ado, I welcome back my good friend, Dr. Patricia Mills. All right, Dr. Patricia Mills, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Michelle, for having me back. It is my absolute pleasure. Yeah, you are someone I admire from afar. I really, I think the world of you and your passion and um, your articulation of health and the way that you break things down and, and think about your own experience and how it can be of service to others. And so, you know, you and I want to have a really important conversation today and we want to ensure that there's a lot of value for everybody listening from lived experience. So I'm going to let you take the floor, reintroduce yourself um, and, and tell us a little bit, walk us through what got you to the point of wanting to look at the, you know, the body chemistry of health in a stressful time. Because I think there's no more perfect a conversation to have right now than that conversation. <laughs> oh my goodness. On so many levels, on so many levels. Thank you, Michelle. I, I'm so looking forward to this talk. Um, so hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm a medical doctor. I'm a specialist in physical medicine and rehabilitation. I did my training in Canada. Um, so I'm a Canadian physician. And I'm also certifying in functional medicine. And I um, love the field of naturopathic medicine. And when I came across uh, Michelle's um, Wild Collective program, and I was looking for a way to spread that kind of functional medicine angle to things, I jumped on board. So I'm also a facilitator of the Wild Collective, super excited about it, loving every minute. Um, and so that's my story. I'm also a researcher, actually. So I'm a published researcher, published over 25 papers. Um, and so I know how to read, um, studies and, uh, interpret them, um, kind of like figuring out what's helpful and harmful. And so that's one of my superpowers as well. And what's been happening, um, lately is that a lot of, um, life events and personal events have kind of converged to, um, really force me, or I guess like inspire me, let's use some positive words here, <laughs> inspire me to um, figure out like a really practical um, way, like a really effective way to manage stress, to, to maintain health, to maintain the chemistry of health within the body during times of extreme stress, right? Because I mean, I'll share a little bit about my personal story. However, I understand that any person who's listening to this podcast is going through some kind of massive amount of stress, whether it's within their life or through compassion and empathy of what's going on in the rest of the world. You can create your own internal stress through that. And I like, you know, when you go on social media, there's a lot of talk about, you know, there's stress and burnout and be careful. Let's prevent it. Let's reverse it. And I find that sometimes for a lot of people, the missing link is like, well, okay, I get it. I totally believe you. I am stressed out, but what do I do about this? Right? Like, I really want to figure this out and I'm a busy person. Like I'm a busy mama. I'm a busy dad. I'm a busy employee, employer. Um, you know, like I just don't have the time to engage in really lengthy things and I'm the same, right? I'm a doctorpreneur. I'm running my own business now as well. Like I'm actually stepping away from Western medicine, started up my own business, drpatriciamills.com. I offer personalized programs for women's health. And I have two young, thriving, vivacious boys at home. My husband has his own business that he's running. So like, I totally get it, you know? So um I, I feel like I finally have come up with, with like um, a paradigm, like a, a kind of like a system that has really worked for me that I've really had to perfect over the last couple of months because I've been through burnout before when I was um, working as a specialist of physical medicine rehab on the spinal cord injury unit at my local rehabilitation hospital. I was like, there's always doctors there who are like the physical medicine rehab specialists. They are like the 
the consultants, the specialists on conditions like spinal cord injury. So I was on that ward, very complicated condition. And I loved it. I was, I was so good at it. Um, I love the team aspect. Um, however, things were happening in my life and I, I burnt out. Okay. And what I had to do then was I had to remove myself from my work, like aspects of my work. And I had to like, just take a lot of time off and do a lot of self-healing. And what happened was in the last couple of months, things have transpired in my life. But so I healed from that. I got over that. Um, and then a couple of months ago, things started happening again. And I was like, oh, I recognize the signs. I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm getting stressed out. I'm going to get burned out, but I do not want to step away from my work because I am loving this work that I'm doing in the health promotion field, you know, like delivering these online programs and doing my private Facebook group and doing my YouTube videos and my, you know, all that stuff. I love all that stuff. I don't want to step away from it and I can't step away from my family. So how am I going to deal with stress? And I'm, and my whole thing is like, I love my body, right? I love the health in my body. I love the point at which I got my body too. And I didn't want to lose all of those gains that I had made, like all of that, you know, reversal from burnout. So to give you a little bit of context, what happened was, and um, uh, was that, uh, so I'm a, um, working in British Columbia as a, as a physical medicine rehab specialist. And even though I've, I've like, I, at the time, like um, before COVID started, I'd started transitioning into more women's health online programs because I was getting really sad of seeing conditions I knew I could have helped prevent if I had just caught them sooner. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to go really upstream. Like I want to catch, I want to help like motivated women who are unsatisfied with their health and want to holistically, you know, get vital and vibrant and confidently re- take back control of their health without the use of medications. That's the space I was stepping into. But I still had one foot in the world of physical medicine and rehab. I was still doing um, outpatient clinics at my local rehabilitation hospital for neuromusculoskeletal conditions. So people with ALS, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, amputations, multi-trauma, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, like all of the things, right? Anything to do with the nervous system, muscles and bones, that was in my wheelhouse for assessing, providing therapy recommendations, medication recommendations, treatment recommendations, right? And um, I was also the um, uh, supervisor of the um, resident research program at my division. So I'm I'm a staff at the local um, university, University of British Columbia. Currently, I am. And, uh, and one of my positions was being the supervisor of all of the residents within the physical medicine rehab training program, the specialty program. So all the medical students who are now medical uh, residents who are going to become specialists, they, they were conducting their research and I was supervising and providing guidance. And so when COVID hit, um, you know, there was the vaccines came on board and um, I was always analyzing the data and just taking things as they came and making decisions based on um, emerging information. And I just kept making a decision for myself that it didn't feel right for me personally with my personal story, like knowing myself better than anybody knows myself. I made the decision to not vaccinate. And, and I kept staying open, like, okay, well, I vaccinate now. No, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. It was my inner guidance system too, right? Yes, there's the research, but I'm a researcher and I'm very familiar with how research results can be highlighted to demonstrate um, something and sort of, or highlighted to demonstrate something else. And what I find interesting is when people talk about pro-vaccine uh, or, or and, you know, anti-vaccine, they're actually citing the same studies, but they're highlighting different parts of the study. <laughs> so, you know, it gets confusing, right? So. Yeah. After a while, I was just like, you know, trusting my inner guidance system and just being sure I wasn't putting anybody at risk. Like as soon as we were allowed to go back to work, this is before vaccines were even really an option. I went right back to work, helping people in the front lines, like in the, in the clinic, being there for people who wanted to come in. And I just gowned and masked and did all of the, you know, PPE, personal protective equipment. Um, I was very confident in my immune system being able to handle whatever was thrown at it. That was my personal inner guidance system telling me that everything was okay. And I had to be respectful of other people's situation by being very mindful of my protection, right? 
So, and then what happened was that in, in British Columbia, at least, it was, uh, became a requirement that in order for me to continue working in the hospital, I had to vaccinate or I had to stop that work. And whether that's temporary or long-term, I still don't know. I don't think anybody really knows yet. That remains to be determined. So I had to stop seeing my patients and I had to transfer their care over to other doctors. And then um, I also had to leave my position as a resident research supervisor, which really made me super sad because I love that job. It was so fun to work with these amazingly um, motivated and incredibly energetic and bright, like super bright young individuals, uh, you know, doctors in the making kind of thing. Right. And, um, so I had to leave that even though I had nothing to do with personal, uh, with patient care. And then I was like, you know, that allowed me, so I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on the positive aspects. The positive aspect of the situation is I can, I can spend more time on my business, growing my health promotion business, right? Maybe this is the universe telling me this is what I need to do. So la la la, everything was great. And then a couple of months ago, there came out um, um, like a, an ad, ad, advisory, like a heads up notification that there was going to be a mandate that all health professionals in British Columbia practicing through a regulating body. So that's doctors, nurses, dentists, chiropractors, registered massage therapists, acupuncturists right? Like a, a huge number of people would all have to be vaccinated in order to maintain their license. And when I heard that news, it was just like my, you know, uh, just like a rock in the pit of my stomach because, you know, that license took me, um, you know, 13 years of work to acquire. And and yes, it probably was a big ego thing, like, you know, oh, my specialty, like I'm going to lose my specialty training. And, um, and you know, it was, it was an interesting crossroads for me because I was already considering, like, how much was I going to step away from that? And it seemed like the universe was saying, well, it looks like you're going to have to totally step away. But there was a big part of me that was actually more sad for everybody else. I mean, I was very fortunate that I had all of these other things lined up and on the go already, but there were single mothers who depended on their income and their internal guidance system was just saying, no, this vaccine is not for me. There were women who were pregnant and their internal guidance system were saying, this vaccine is not for my baby at this point in time. And I'm not saying that they were right or wrong or that people who chose to vaccinate under those conditions are right or wrong. Everybody who chose to vaccinate I'm assuming, and I hope, and that's my wish for you out there, is that you had the deep peace of knowing that you were following your internal guidance system and you had the freedom to do so, right? And so all I wanted was everybody to have the freedom and the deep peace of knowing that they were doing what, what felt right to their body because what feels right to your body will, will actually impact your health, okay? So that kind of is a nice transition into what started to have to happen for me because I had to start to figure out um, how to manage my stress under those conditions of like, oh my goodness, I'm going to lose my medical license. Like I never thought I would be forced to, maybe I would choose to step away from it one day. But I never, it never, it never occurred to me in like my wildest dreams that I would be like forced um, to lose my medical license um, because of a personal choice I had made for myself, you know. I don't know if you can see my lip twitching and my eyes welling with tears, but I think it's going to take me a few years to like fully reconcile what has happened to really dedicated practitioners and humans who have worked so hard, who are of service of others and are the collateral damage of a situation. It really breaks my heart. And I, I'm, I'm so grateful for articulate, brilliant women like yourself being brave enough to share your story because we need to hear the other side because what we've been fed for the most part and not to turn this because we're going to go into how you've turned this into your, your miracle in the making and how you are helping and, and empower and supporting people. So let's get there. But we've been fed a narrative that dehumanized these people who have dedicated their life to be of service of others who are forced to stop working. 
and possibly forced to lose the right of everything that they've earned and to practice. And I just need to sit here for a minute for anyone who needs to see the other side because it's going to take us years to reconcile what happened. And I just, it is so nice to hear someone say something from an empowering place, maybe as a different decision, but because of following your inner guidance system and talking about freedom, you made the choices and you hope the same for everyone. And I, I hope that through all of this, what is actually happening is that we are increasing our level of consciousness where we all start to tune in and honor that level of freedom for every human here. And without conversations like yours, without actually having, you know, these contrarying thoughts, like this medical doctor who works in conventional medicine in some aspect is now, you know, looking at research and making decisions that are right for her. Like how, like it, it's helping people say, how do I think critically through this and not necessarily take main narratives that are being really highlighted and being the focus because I think so many people have felt afraid to trust their inner guidance system for fear of rejection. And then it got so highlighted, it got to the point of fear of losing their livelihood. And this is why I'm so grateful you're on here talking about this, because this gives us an opportunity to have some semblance of healing through the other side. Because thankfully, like you said, you are someone who had <clears throat> already considered a different way, had already considered you know, setting yourself up to practice a form of medicine or upstream thinking that felt very alignment with your core values. But for everybody else who maybe hadn't arrived there yet um, or loves practicing allopathic medicine, we're, we're now at risk of losing their livelihood and have since been not allowed to practice. Am I correct that, that, that you? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So the reason I wasn't allowed to practice is because I was uh, an academic, I'm, I'm an academic doctor. So I was working in an academic center with hospitals uh, as a staff. So the, um, so the health authority was able to, or made the decision to limit the practice of, uh, during this time and who knows moving forward of people who are academic, people in the private community. So like private practice, so family doctors or specialists with private practice, they weren't under that umbrella. So they've been able to continue working. And it was, it was with this medical license piece that that would then limit their ability to practice so that it would it would catch everybody under the same umbrella. And, um, and I also thank you, Michelle, because I, it, what you said also provided a few opportunities for me to kind of like provide some clarification. There's, it's possible to look at what's best for yourself while also looking out for what's best for humanity. So it's not like I was looking at the situation and saying, and it's not like people who make decisions not to vaccinate are saying, well, I only want to do what's best for me. And I don't really care if I put other people at risk. No, it's usually along the lines of like, I, I'm engaging in behavior that protects other people, like my hand washing, my mask wearing, and my this and my that, you know, like I'm being respectful um, that there are some vulnerable people out there, especially as a doctor working with vulnerable people. I was very careful with my actions while still being able to make a personal decision for myself. So one thing I've been really careful to highlight is that people who choose not to vaccinate are not selfish, malicious misinformed or paranoid. They're simply people who are making different decisions for themselves. And our and humans, our evolution is marked by variety and diversity. We are not meant to be a homogenous population in any way. In any way. We are not meant to be all on the same drug, all with the same thoughts, all pursuing the same career. I mean, we are meant to be diverse in every single way. That's what forces evolution, right? So I like to think that we are like, um, we are all doing these things um, for our own kind of like, um, 
for our own inner guidance system. And our inner guidance system is in alignment with what is good for humanity too. You see, because I do believe that our inner guidance system is really that inner part of us, that energetic part of us, that is part of the whole, right? And the whole is also not homogenous. So some people are going to listen to their inner guidance system and it's going to feel really good for them to vaccinate because that's what's, that's what's in alignment for them. And some people are going to listen to that and, and it's going to be not for them. And I think that as a whole, we need to respect that. That is the beauty of, of humanity is the diversity and respecting the diversity and allowing, being able to not just tolerate, not tolerating people who are not vaccinating or vaccinating, even some people who are not vaccinating are tolerating people who are vaccinating. And it's like, no, you know what? I fully accept and embrace people as choices to vaccinate too, right? So it's that allowance piece. And what is interesting is that as a researcher, when I, when I would research studies, like when I would, because I would do what's called systematic reviews, where I would look at massive amounts of research. And I would, I would like sometimes review 5,000 studies, okay? And we would have to like exclude and include based on the quality of the study and the content of the study. Like, oh my God, it's like take two years to three years to publish a study, right? Just so you understand it's massive. And there's what's called inside these studies, what's called the placebo effect. I don't know if you've ever heard of this placebo effect, but I'm going to explain to you what it is. What it is, is that um, when, when researchers were researching people and providing them with like um, uh, a medication, let's say, and they either, uh, they took two groups of people, okay, and they divided them randomly into two groups. And they, and they told one group, we're giving you this drug. And then they told the other group, we're giving you this drug. But the other group, they actually didn't give the drug. They gave a sugar pill. Like, doesn't make a difference, right? To, but they told them, you're getting the drug, okay? What they found was that in the group that didn't get the drug, that thought that they were getting the drug, 30% on average, like in almost every single study, it seems to be this like 30% number would actually experience spontaneous healing in that whatever the doctors were measuring, their scientists were measuring, would get better. So if it was pain for rheumatoid arthritis, the rheumatoid arthritis pain would get better. If it was cancer, the cancer size would shrink. If it was um, <clears throat> problems with the skin, the skin issues would get better. Problems with the gut, the gut issues would get better, like across the board. And, if they, and, this, and so they realized that they, they always had to do this kind of design um, because what they had to always, that, therefore, it, that's why they call it the randomized control trial, where they take a group, they randomize it into two groups, and they control um, the results in this way by comparing the results of the group who didn't get the treatment with the results who did get the treatment um, because they knew that in order to prove that the treatment was effective, it had to be better than the improvement. So like if, if, you, if both groups improved by 30%, then the drug wasn't really that effective because it wasn't better than this, the effect of spontaneous healing that would occur from these people believing they got a drug that would help them. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But instead of calling it spontaneous healing, they called it the placebo effect because it was the effect that they saw when people were given a placebo drug but thought that it would be a drug that would help them. So if they only they had called it the spontaneous healing effect, people would now be much more aware of the fact that within us, within us, there is the power to actually induce the chemistry of healing with our thoughts. Because that's the only thing that these people had going for them that was um, different from what they had before they went into the study. They didn't have a better drug. They had different thoughts. They had thoughts that were supported by the fact that they were being it, that they were enrolled in a study, right? That's one powerful um, kind of, like they felt supported by their environment. Um, they were being watched and monitored carefully by the scientists, right? And they were being told that this was a drug that was being developed to, you know, help their condition improve. And the people who um, ex experience the spontaneous healing effect, when they go and they analyze those people, like what is it about those people? 
those people were believing, they had the belief, they had the desire to heal, and they had the belief that they were going to heal, right? And they expected it. They had the expectation. So they sat in the expectation that it was going to happen to them. And lo and behold, it happened to them. Like, just to give you an idea, um, there's a Parkinson's research that my one of my best friends, Dr. Sarah Lidstone, PhD doctor, who is now um, like head of uh, Parkinson's movement disorder, one of the heads of the Parkinson's movement, movement disorders in Toronto. She's actually moving now, but she did this research in her PhD and she showed this to be the case with Parkinson's. So they um, took Parkinson's people um, who have a movement disorder. They have slowness of movement due to lack of dopamine, a hormone produced in the brain. And the treatment is to give the dopamine basically in a drug form. And so they put these people into functional MRIs, which is basically measuring the function of the brain in real time. And they told these people that they were being given the drug. And they also measured the level of expectation that the drug would work for them. And the people who had high levels of expectation and didn't get the drug had the same response. They actually released their own dopamine in their brain and resolved their Parkinson's symptoms. Like they were moving, like they, she describes it to me that they would get off of that. They would go in all like stiff and tremory and all that kind of stuff into the machine, like shaking and tremor and stiffness and lack of movement. And then they would um, go get out of the machine and they would, they would need help getting dressed and undressed to get it on. And they would come off and they would sit up and they put their shoes on and they would like walk out of the clinic without any help as if they had taken the drug. It was completely through the power of their mind. Right. So like big mind blow there, like I couldn't believe it. And um, so that's the power of it. And they've even done it with fake surgery where they like take two groups and they do surgery on one group. The other group, they actually cut the skin to make it look like they have a scar, but they don't go in and operate. And 30% of the people in that non-operated group got better. And they didn't even operate. Like a heart surgery, you know, to open up the blockages of the heart. Yeah, it's intense. So like everything, I really haven't found a single thing that hasn't had some kind of placebo effect. And I've been looking. So that just sets the stage that there's the power of thought, right? And the thing is, when you think about your mind, there's two parts to your mind. There's the voluntary part of the mind, the part of the mind where you can control your thinking. And there's the involuntary part of your mind. There's a, that's a part of your mind that's like the subconscious. Um, it's like the, that kind of like tape recorder that's always kind of running in the background that you kind of uh, default to when you're not really thinking about things. Like let's say you're washing the dishes and you're kind of mindless and all of a sudden you realize that your thoughts are taken up with like the usual kind of thoughts that you usually have when you're not really thinking about something specifically, like that your to-do list or uh, the conversations that you had last week or the conversations that you're imagining you're going to have next week. Or, you know, it's just kind of like that tape recorder that's always going on in the background. And for some people that might be like the things that like um, you learned as a child, like money doesn't grow on trees and you have to work hard to succeed, like all of that stuff, that, that's called the default mode, mode net network. It's like a part of the brain, uh, a system, a, a network of neurons, uh, part of the brain that gets laid down in early childhood um, as a core like way of thinking. So your kind of core system of beliefs and you do alter them as you grow older. Like, you know, you, you can layer on top of them or change them, but that core system of beliefs is harder to change than what you're consciously thinking, which is your voluntary, you can, you know, like. When you're thinking like, I want to specifically think about something positive right now because I'm feeling sad and I want to be very specifically positive about what I'm thinking, then you're exerting your voluntary mind, your conscious mind, right? And everybody knows, or not everybody knows, maybe your listeners, uh, maybe you listeners know, but apparently we spend only 5% of our lives thinking consciously and the other 95% of the time we're in our subconscious, right? So basically, <clears throat> what I found when I was under stress, like stress happened a few months ago, 
I started really like, um, I was so stressed out that like my conscious brain was kind of shutting down a little bit. Like I wasn't making rational thoughts or rational decisions. I was immediately going into like my default mode network, that subconscious, like fight or flight kind of fear, kind of like, what'll happen? What if I lose my job? What if I, you know, what if this business, you know, like just negative thinking, like that kind of negative kind of like ruminating, thinking, wondering, worrying, that kind of thought, right? And um, so I found myself to be in that state more often than I would than I would like. And that was starting to affect my body. So we talked about the mind having a voluntary, involuntary part to it, right? Well, the body, interestingly, also has a voluntary, involuntary aspect to it. Okay. So the voluntary aspect to the brain, to the body are like the muscles so that you move in your arms and your legs and your eyes, right? You, you like, I want something, I will think about it and voluntarily reach out and grab that glass and drink that water. Okay. And let's say I want to get somewhere from point A to point B, I will voluntarily get up and stand up and walk and go to that place. So that's your voluntary system. And then you have your involuntary system, which are the systems of the body that are operating without any effort on your part. So that's like your, your kind of background breath, your heart rate, your sweating, your blood vessel tone, your digestion, your sexual organs. Um, you know, all those things operate involuntarily. Okay. Um, however, um, the cool thing about both the mind and the body, the voluntary and involuntary aspects of both, is that there is a portal through which you can control the involuntary aspects of both. Okay. So the portal through the body is through the breath. Okay. Because the breath is super fascinating, right? Mm-hmm. So the breath is happening in the background, but you can voluntarily change your breath, right? So the breath is a super interesting part of the body that has both voluntary and involuntary aspects. Like I personally cannot control my heart rate all that well. Maybe if I really got good at it mentally, <laughs> but I can't like make my, my, my heart you know, stop and start and do all that kind of stuff. But I can make my breath stop and start. And the cool thing is that different patterns of breathing will activate different parts of your involuntary nervous system. So it's actually a, a, it's like a regulator of the involuntary nervous system. So you can divide that involuntary part of your body into two parts. One part is the relaxation, rest, repair, like feel good, happiness, chill. I'm so happy. I'm so positive. Like that's one part of the, of that system. Okay. And the other part of that system is like the fight, flight, run, freeze, numb, hide. Right. And we have both of them for good reasons. We had to, we had to have the fight or flight in order to survive. Um, But we were meant to have both of them in balance, right. To be primarily in the rest and, and repair and digest and, you know, relax. But what's happening is that when these stressful events occur, and for, I explained what mine was, but for other people, it could be the other world events that are happening at this very interesting time in our lives. Um, or it could even be like within your family unit, having a stressful a relationship with your partner or stressful relationship with your work, whatever that is for you, it's the stress. It does no one has to validate whether their stress is enough stress. If you're feeling stressed out. That's enough stress. You know, that's, that's your level of experience, right? And it's valid. So um, what, what we're finding ourselves in is that we're tending to go into that involuntary fight or flight situation so easily and so for such a huge amount of the day, you know, and it's kind of starting to really mess with our biology because there are different hormones that are released with these different two, with these two states of being. When you are in a state of rest and repair and relaxation, you have the hormones of like oxytocin, you know, that feel good hormone, that unconditional love hormone, like everything is right in the world. You know, it's the hormone, for example, that gets released when women are breastfeeding or, and looking at their beautiful baby and, 
um, or when they're with their partner that they've been with for like a while. And now it's like gone into that deep, like, like that love, you know, not just the, the pleasure, like the new lust experience, which is more of like a dopamine kind of hormone, but more of that, like, oh, that unconditional long lasting love or that love you feel for your children, you know, those kinds of emotions. That's the, that's that hormone primarily where, and when that hormone and those kinds of hormones, cause there's definitely more than that hormone associated with those feelings, but that's the famous one, like the flagship hormone, so to speak, that, um, that gets released and floods through the body and floods through the tissues. Right. And it actually interacts with all of the cells of your body, with all of these different cells of your body and creates a certain kind of chemistry within the body that is in alignment with health. It promotes the ability for your body to optimally digest. It promotes for your body to optimally utilize its energy and for the energy to be distributed equally throughout the body, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but people, whenever people get stressed out, there's a, the nervous system, the involuntary ner nervous system gets activated and redirects the flow of energy to the vital organs, like inside of you, like your heart and your lungs away from your hands and your feet. So you get like cold hands and cold feet. And so you don't even have the right flow of energy happening through your body when you're in a state of stress, right? Versus when you're relaxed and everything is calm, the energy is unblocked, so to speak. I love the idea of energy blockages. There's no energy blockages. All the energy just flows out through the fingertips to the toes, up to the head, all the way to the hair, right? Like you can grow hair when, you know, when you're not having to run away from a tiger, you're going to lose hair when you're running away from a, like from your proverbial tiger, you're under tons of stress because the body's directing blood flow away from the surfaces into the body. So a lot of women lose hair during times of stress because there's this reshifting of energy of, uh, you know, through the body, like blood redistribution of blood and energy and prioritization. It, the body prioritizes different organs, right? So now you've created the chemistry of health um, with chemistry of stress. That's the cortisol and the adrenaline. And just to give you an idea, like when they study extremes, like the extreme of someone who has a lot of cortisol being released into their system is someone who's developed Cushing syndrome where they just get tons of cortisol being dumped out. And these individuals develop all kinds of diseases like thyroid conditions, so hypo or hyperthyroidism, uh, diabetes, cancer, stroke, heart attack, like everything under the sun. They are just generally really, really sick because cortisol, too much of it all the time, creates inflammation in the body, right? So we want to create the chemistry of health within our body. We want to activate the um, rest and digest and repair system of the involuntary um, part of our body. And we want to um, kind of train the monkey mind, that involuntary part of our brain, to be more in alignment with what the conscious part of our brain wants, which is to be um, happy and positive and joyful, right? So the portal through the body is the breath, and the portal through the mind is very specific types of thoughts, okay? And specifically, it's thoughts of appreciation. So um, when we can, uh, so every, every situation has a positive and negative pull to it. So for example, let's say your health goal is to lose weight. There's a positive and a negative pull to that. The negative pull of thinking of it is like, I want to lose weight. I don't want to be overweight anymore. The positive pull of it is to say, I want to, be, I want to effortlessly be my ideal weight. You can see how when you say it that way, it automatically creates a positive feeling, right? It's the same goal, but you're focusing on the positive pull, right? So what I was finding myself having to do really, really intentionally over the last couple of months was to very be very, very um, focused until it became more natural to me. Because at first it's not natural where I had to, with every single thing that came across my mind or like into my awareness, I had to create the positive pull. I had to see the appreciation. I had to, I had to find what I was appreciative about it. Right. 
So even, for example, like there's these individuals who are making these decisions about mandates that are taking away the freedom. And I was like, how can I be appreciative? Um, and so I was like, you know, I appreciate that these individuals that are like health authority individuals or government individuals, I appreciate that they are coming to this to the situation with the best of intentions. And I appreciate that um, they have continued to work in this job that is probably thankless and that probably <laughs> nobody wants. And you couldn't pay me like $10 million to do this job. And here they are doing this really horrible, hard burnout job. Like they are probably really burned out. Yeah. Right? And I'm so appreciative that I'm not the one who has to make these decisions. Right. And I, and I'm so appreciative that, um, you know, that there are people, um, in, uh, you know, on this planet who can see like the, the situation, um, from a positive perspective that this, like you said, um, Michelle, this is probably a necessary situation for us to evolve. You know, humans have never evolved during times of static, right? Like when, when we have not had anything negative happening in our lives, um, we have been status quo, right? It's during these times of stress that we have these evolutionary leaps in awareness, right? Think Gandhi, think the world wars. That was the first human, uh, you know, human, human rights, you know, was written up and, and acknowledged and, and like, you know, ratified across the world, well, most, most countries. And so I'm really um, appreciative of the fact that out of all of this pressure will cut, will be made diamonds, you know, out of all of this will, will be incredible change and incredible appreciation um, for things that we can't even begin to imagine, right? Like, I'm so excited to see what's going to come out of this. Um, and so I just, you know, I was just, um, so I, I, I started what's what I call an appreciation journal. And what I did is whenever I thought of anything that I could think of like as a negative thing, like, and it even became like, let's say I started to become stressed out about my business. I would start writing all of the things that I would appreciate about my business. Or let's say I was having an issue with like an employee. I would, I would, instead of focusing on all the negative things they were doing, I would sit down and write down all of the positive things about that person that I could think of. And you could say, well, that doesn't change the situation. I said, no, it changes the way I think. And when I change the way I think, it changes the way that my body works. And when my body changes, it creates a chemistry of health. And then I'm healthy and I'm not burnt out, and I'm better able to cope with the reality that life is throwing at me. So, the, and then I'm able to be more empowered and more positive in my actions. And the interesting thing is that when people talk to me, they feel that I'm a positive person. They can tell that I'm coming at this with a, a load of appreciation. And so, even if we're on opposite sides of the table, it, it's it's the the outcome ends up being like like just this beautiful positive outcome that would not happen if I came to the table like angry and frustrated and upset. And so I still come to the table. This is a thing. Like I don't walk away from the table. I don't walk away from the conversation. I had some, I had to have conversations with the health authority, right? In order to keep my privileges at the hospital. And I came to it full of appreciation for their role and what they were doing and what they had to do and how difficult this was for them to do. And we were able to reach a mutual understanding that was agreeable to all of us under the current circumstances. And that would not have happened in such a positive way if I had come to the table in a negative vibe and in a burnt out state. So I use my breath. I do breath work every day to start the day in my relaxed, positive nervous system vibe. And I re-engage it as often as I need to. And I mean, there's lots of breathwork apps out there, right? That people find what works for them. I do Qigong. That's what really helps me. And every night I, I write down in my appreciation journal, I just, it's like just really focusing. And it's like a shift. It's like a shift in perspective. Like, yes, there's the totality of everything includes the negative pole, but I would shift and look at the positive pole and turn my back on the negative pole. And I have my clients do that too. I just did a session with my clients who are in body wisdom with me. It's my one-on-one -on -one 
um, elite and small group coaching program. And we just did the work of like, how do you word your health goal from the positive pole? You know, and it did require quite a bit of coaching because it is not natural to us to do that. We naturally tend to include in our include in our health goal the things we don't want. So it's about saying everything in terms of what you want, in terms of what you would appreciate having and what you're appreciative for. And that creates the chemistry of health. And I've been able to prevent burnout without having to stop what I've been doing. And that's what COVID has done for me is taught me how to not be in burnout state while having to take a massive time off from my work, which I had to do before, right? Like I, I did what I had to do, but now I have a different way. And I'm so appreciative <laughs> of the fact that I've learned this new way because I, you have to. The world will continue to throw stressful things in our way. So you, you have to use this time as a way to figure out how to manage your stress in, in, in life like with life as part of life, right? Sometimes you do need to step away. Um, but oftentimes we don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. So it's finding those other ways to do it. So key. What an opportunity, right? To be what put an in- opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've loved you since the moment I learned about you. And I think you are this beautiful complex human who has this beautiful brain, the ability to decipher and critically appraise research and understand science from a very fundamental rudimentary way and make it very, like it's always been one of your talents is to, to make that very digestible, very understandable to anyone who has the opportunity to learn from you. And now, and you probably always were, but like just listening to this last conversation, like the fusion of how you, you know, I think you articulated placebo effect in probably the most beautiful way I've ever heard it being shared. Um, but really to take this other facet of us being energetic beings, being, you know, choosing the vibration in which you decide to show up so you can have those effective conversations so that they're, you know, it, it is about diversity in all aspects. That is how evolution happens. And I love that that is what has been the profound piece because now we were able to learn from from your level of genius through learned experience is how do we take up these opportunities because there is no shortage of challenge and we what a what an opportunity to be given something so difficult you know the pressure to actually make the diamond to to rise to the occasion for the evolution and betterment of human connection for humanity for um, the celebration of diversity of thought and diversity in every aspect and I just you know the most powerful piece I mean you took us on a beautiful storytelling and and you know we're brave enough to share the the lowest of the lows to force you to start to think about this from a different way to to force you to innovate and um, learn through that but then also to give skills that are free and accessible to every human and yes i've had to take pauses last year i took six months off of clinical practice because i was so burnt out but you're right like that's not always going to be possible but what is possible is to leverage these beautiful portals that i think you so simply and, and meaningfully explained how we can use our breath to shift our body state how we can use our thoughts and expressions of appreciation and gratitude to shift our mindset. And I feel the same way. It's like you are literally an unstoppable force. You were, you feel so aligned, your health goals in much like maybe I'm, I'm going to make an assumption, but that's what made me practicing medicine the way I did before no longer aligned for me. Cause I was like, we are missing the higher upstream thought is that if we don't change and, and understand the role that we have to calm our body or change our thoughts, we're going to keep meeting the frustrations even on our health journey versus being like, in, seeing things for what they are, right? And, and not we're no longer mystified by that. And I just think anyone who has the opportunity to work with you should. I, I really, um, I think you're a very special person and I'm really grateful medicine has you. You are such an asset and I'm grateful you're using your voice in this capacity. 
because a lot of people will be impacted by you and your bravery and your brilliance. Mm. And I just, I just couldn't uh, admire you more. I really think you are an incredible human in this health space. And I just, um, I'm excited for every woman who crosses your path and has the opportunity to work for you because they will be better for it. Thank you, Michelle. What beautiful words. And they just landed deep into my heart. And I so, so appreciate you. Thank you. I have a, I have a couple rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. (laughs) What, what books are currently on your nightstand? Um, I have this kind of fascination right now with the teachings of Abraham Hicks. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. It's so interesting. Like, um, I mean, it's, it's really woo woo and I love it for that. It's just just a break from the, from, you know, the regular kind of stuff that we're exposed to. And, um, and yeah, it's the, the laws that are discussed during those teachings. There are moments when I'm listening to those laws and I'm just like, wow. I mean, I really, that feels really true for me. Um, and then there are moments where it's, you know what I mean? So it's like, I just enjoy listening because I find that, um, on my spare time, I don't want to spend my spare time these days doing any sort of heavy, hard, negative, like, you know, like, uh, if I'm watching a movie, it makes me laugh. Like if I'm reading a book, it makes me laugh. Like it makes me smile. So I just find that they're, um, you know, my friend recommended them to me and I started listening and it just made me smile. So right now I'm, I'm into those. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, one thing that brings you joy. Oh my goodness. So many things. Immediately my children came to mind. Yeah. They're just, um, I, I struggled as a mother in my early stages of motherhood, had a lot of issues, postpartum anxiety and all those things. And now I'm so, um, wow. I'm just like, uh, so happy tears of joy here, um, with them and how things are. The work that I've done on myself has um, opened up a new level of relationship with them. And I'm in the middle of just enjoying that so deeply uh, and with my husband as well. So the, yeah, my family very much. Love so. That. Fill in the blank community is love advice. You wish someone gave you five years ago. Oh. follow your joy. Follow your inner guidance system. And if, it, if what you're doing makes you feel joy, then you're in alignment with your inner guidance system. If what you're doing makes you feel anything other than joy, then it's not in alignment with your inner guidance system. And you have to either change your thought um, around that thing that you're doing or change your action to get back in alignment with that. Love it. Best word to describe you? Oh, um, goodness gracious. I'm vivacious, I would say. <laughs> Dr. Patricia Mills, thank you so much for being here. Honestly, it's an open invitation. We'll take your brain and your brilliance any day. Um, <laughs> where can, can where, where can individuals connect with you? Where can they sign up for your programs? How can they be in your communities and immersed in your work? Yeah, thanks, Michelle. I have a few um, portals to access me as well. So if you're on Instagram... <laughs> It's at dr.patriciamills, P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A Mills. If you're on Facebook, join my private group for women, Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. I do have a YouTube channel, uh, Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. And my website, which is um, still alive and well, um, but being um, getting like a lovely, beautiful overhaul, but will be active during all that time, is www.drpatriciamills.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle, for creating the space and opportunity. And you're a wonderful interviewer with this beautiful energy. And it's such a pleasure. I was so looking forward to this. And um, it went so well in the sense that I'm leaving this just feeling so happy and alive and hopeful and energized. And I hope that for all of your listeners that they're leaving this experience with the same kind of feelings inside as well. I can't imagine that they're not. I'm, I am literally like just elevated from this conversation. Thank you.
you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. 